In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be analyzing the Derby d'Italia against Juventus. We'll be previewing the upcoming fixture against Udinese. This week's Moji, Moratti and Frog. Inter's Champions League chances, dead or alive, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Attenzione Ronaldo salta anche Marchegiani e mette dentro 3-0. Prendiamo il principe, entra in aria, è solo, il tiro, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol, è gol! Forma Ronaldo a battere questo calcio di punizione molto lungo per Zamorano che gira bene al centro, attenzione, il destro, violentissimo! È lo spettacolare gol da parte di Zanetti! La prima squadra che vince qua è la nostra Inter! L'Inter vince! E Dillo, campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! Campione d'Europa! I più forti siamo noi! Benvenuti, bentornati to another edition of Studio Inter. And we've been away for a couple of weeks due to, uh, well, illness, uh, illness and schedules not working out. And uh, conspiracies. Conspiracies, exactly. It was probably, <laughs> it was as we said before we started recording, it was Facchetti's fault that I was, I've, I'm, I'm, I've, I've got, it's, it's, it's Facchetti and Moratti's fault that I've, that I've got a bad case of the pollen allergy. Mm. Um, <laughs> And joining us um, <laughs> there is uh, our good friend, uh, BD Sports uh, Pundit. And uh, I've got to say, you've got your own podcast as well, which I follow religiously, Golasso. Welcome, Mr. James Holmcastle. Thank you. Good to be back. It's good to have you back um, on, this, uh, on this Monday after a weekend that was, well, it was, it was an eventful. Nothing really happened, did it? No, quiet, quiet Debbie d'Italia. Nothing yeah, to see. Nothing yeah, to see. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Right, and we are also joined by our good friend uh, from the, uh, uh, the commentator at Inter Supporters in Italy, Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Welcome. Hello, Nima. Hello, everyone. I have to say my heart is, is broken now, but uh, <laughs> that's a lot to say. And we'll try to analyze uh, all these things that happened into this, uh, this weekend. Ah, it's been crazy. And we are also joined by uh, our good friend, the founder of the Gentleman Ultra, Mr. Richard Hall. Hi guys, why did we choose this one this week? <laughs> We've left it another week. No, we could have left it another season by the oh Jesus. Right, no, let's let's get going. I mean, the thing is, there's so much to talk about because I mean, aside from the Orsato clown show that we witnessed, there was so much happening. In Nima, he's going to the World Cup. He's I going just, to the World I Cup. Ju- I just saw that. I just saw that. Together with Rocky and uh, Valeri and <laughs> the Juventus. Who said, who said Juventus isn't going to the World Cup? Right. <laughs> the Juve All-Stars are all going to the World Cup. No, but let's talk about this. I mean, aside from this, I mean, his, his absurd, you know, calls and, and, the, and the consistency, which we're going to get into. This, this game had everything. It was, it was insane. Um, the, the, right from the get-go, you knew that this was going to be one of those roller coaster fixtures um and before we get into orsato i'd i'd like to i'd like to talk a little bit about like just basically just talk about the actual football that was played um and spalletti uh spalletti who's been great for inter all season i think he's been probably the the big player or the big name signing of the season uh uh, but i think in my opinion i think he got it very he got everything wrong uh against juventus starting with his decision to start with a Vecino that hadn't been playing for three for a couple of months was whose timing was off um, and then you have you know Kandreva you know also having been injured not having played his timing was also off which you saw for the first goal and then his substitutions uh, the Santon substitution which is just prompted which was just insane um, when he kind of you know he won the game for Juventus almost um, if we if, if we start there um, how James, if you were to analyze this a little bit, what what impact do you think this has on Spalletti's uh, like record at Inter, the, 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 his his his, his the, the, the the overall judgment on the season based on what he did against Juventus? Well, I take everything that you just said uh, in terms of the lineup and the substitutions that he later made. Um, but Inter really, from the 15th minute to um, what the final five minutes 
didn't have a right to be in that game. Um, I think a lot of people who were probably watching at home when um, Juventus took the lead and Vecino was sent off um, probably decided to switch over to a different channel because um, Juventus should have won that game and won it easily. And instead, Inter put in what was one of the great, but will be easily forgotten, uh, performances uh, with 10 men um, from you know, 15th, 15th minute to the 85th minute. Um, and, you know, I was impressed by them in that time um, because not only did they um, show courage in, in how they were pressing um, Juventus with 10 men, um, but when they broke forward as well, um, a lot of players um, joined in on the attack. Um, yeah, they were attacking with as many as six players, um, even though um, they'd had Vecino sent off. Um I thought it was inevitable that they would tire, given the effort that they put in. And unfortunately, um, you know, rather than uh, be talking about um, that particular section of the game, you know, we're talking about the substitution at the end, which did kind of help um, shift the momentum back in Juventus's favour, um, and also, you know, those two last five-minute goals. So. You know, I'm I'm someone who, who who usually tries to look beyond the result and kind of judge the performance first. And I think for the majority of that game, Inter really gave me a sense that um, Juventus were losing their nerve, um, were on the brink of throwing away the league title in the most extraordinary circumstances. Um, because it's one thing to come back uh, against Juventus after Juventus have taken the lead. It's another thing to do that when Juventus have a man advantage mm. and it's um, 11 against 10. And yeah, I think this game was classic Juventus. It was classic Inter and it was a classic Derby d'Italia um, in, in that you know, Juventus um, found a way to win as they always seem to do. Inter were pazza. And uh, it had all the controversy you expect from this fixture. Um, so uh, it was quintessentially, um, yeah, everything we kind of have grown to expect from a debit Italia. Um, but with with Spalletti's future, look, well, he has a year left on his contract. Um, so you know, if um, Suning uh, were were. Uh, Irrational, I would say. They 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 could maybe um, get rid of him without it costing them too much money. Um, but I kind of look at that and I think Inter have changed managers so many times, um, you know, since uh, since Jose Mourinho, um, that it is it's not about the manager um, a lot a lot of the time, um, irrespective of the decisions that were made in that game, which you know I think you you detailed. And that have some justification in saying, you know, Vecino and Candreva, why did you pick those guys? Um, and also that substitution at the end. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Um, Richard, uh, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on what James just said there? I think, you, <clears throat> excuse me, hit it on the nail on the head there when you're talking about it being classic Inter. Um, you know, that, the start of that game, Inter obviously tried to, conspired to undo themselves early doors with with Vicino getting sent off and and like James said you know I think then this, like many teams when you, you're facing Juventus you, you automatically think oh, this, it, it, the game's over because they are so ruthless so pragmatic at times but with this there was a little bit more more hope I think at one point because we'd seen them not play particularly well against Crotone they'd not played particularly well against Napoli and and I think Inter really grabbed hold of that um, and, and were exceptional. But it's typical Inter in that sense of from transpiring to, to really put themselves out of the game from the start. Uh, it, was, it was almost um, it was a little bit heroic to get back to where they were, only to go and implode at the end. I think the game on its own, it was so marred with you know, decisions, well, controversial decisions perhaps, um, that it is difficult to, to look at it just you know, in a whole context of how Inter have been this season. I've been relatively impressed with Spalletti. 
Um, you know, I know that he will be judged on whether they make the Champions League or not. Um, and, you know, it looks as though they may struggle now with, with, the, with the form of Lazio and Roma to, to get there. But I still think that there's been a lot of improvements uh, within this squad. I think James's point on stability for Inter is absolutely key and crucial. We've had, I know how many times we've been on here talking about missed opportunities to have a full pre-season with the squad. Um, <clears throat> shoehorning managers in at the last minute with, you know, at least Belletti with a summer now can try and try and make it more his own squad um, and hopefully improve for next season. So overall with Belletti, as you asked, Nima, um, for me, I don't think it has a massive, or hopefully won't have a huge result on his, on his immediate future. But in saying that, you know, the game itself, it was just, it was a one-off, wasn't it? It was one of those situations where, you know, we let Juventus back into the game at the end, and it was—it was genuinely, genuinely gutting. It was—it was, it was to, to, to all that hard work um, was for naught at the end, and uh, it was a shame. But you know, I'm overall, I, I'm still positive about interseason. I just hope in the last couple of games he can still finish strong. Fulvio, what are you? What are you? What is your take? Well, I have to say that uh, I agree with, with what Richard was saying. Um, and uh, but mostly in most of his analysis is correct for me. I would like to add that uh, my opinion Spalletti did not uh, um, did not did not choose our um, our wrong lineup at the uh, at the beginning as you was uh, as you were saying. Uh, I think that uh, the problem of of Inter is uh, once again the lack of alternatives mm. because Vecino was lined up uh, just because uh, Gagliardini was injured and uh, Borca Valero was not choosable for this kind of match because Borca Valero is the, ve the velocity, the, uh, the stamina and uh, the line of thinking of Borca Valero at this time is uh, I think twice less than uh, um, uh, the requirements of this kind of match. So I think Vecino was, uh, was a good pick. And uh, after that, uh, things went like that. Um, so what, what I can uh, put on Spalletti's shoulders, uh, of course, is the, um, is the change, uh, the substitution of, uh, of Santon. Uh, I think it's famous now, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I, I would like to explain why I'm putting uh, on uh, on his shoulders. Just because uh, he was completely disconnected uh, with uh, with the team at that time, because uh, the team was um, was into the match, uh, the defense uh, was um, how can I say under pressure, mm. but still, yeah, but still was uh, uh, the, the sensation was that Juventus uh, should have struggled. To score at least one 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 goal. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So mm, the 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 point is that the team at the time was into a mood uh, was of, of course tired, okay, but into the mood that uh, said that said we can make it. Yeah. Coach, we can make it. So leave leave um, us play because we can make it. But Spalletti failed to receive this kind of message and instead imposed the their um, uh, sorry imposed his message that was I don't think we can make it and I think that Inter lost the match there and did not lost the match on Iguain goals but lost the match on on Quadrado's uh, goal on Quadrado's goal right it's, I agree 100% with that analysis because I was thinking remember the 2000 Euro 2000 final when uh, Viltorn scored that late equaliser and then Trezeguet scored the winner. The winner, for me, was Viltorn's 1-1, not Trezeguet's, Trezeguet's yep. 2-1. And that's exactly what I was feeling that game uh, yeah. when, when Quadrado scored. I was like, they're going to lose this. This is over now. Because it was, it was a sucker punch to the gut. Yeah, and if you remember, and if you remember uh, when, the, when was the free kick uh, uh, that uh, uh, eventually led to the, to the third goal of Juventus, yeah. uh, uh, there was a uh, um, very stupid foul from Cancelo. Cancelo played a very clever match, but made a stupid foul. And uh, just after that, Brozovic uh, yeah. took a, a yellow card for yeah. putting away the ball. So Inter was disconnected from the match at that point. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think, I think you know, for me it was the same thing. I mean, I, I, when it comes to the lack of alternatives in terms of Isino, I think you're spot on there. Uh, we've talked about this at hundred times um I, I what i don't understand is if, if you're going to because perisic according to what they've all said is that perisic has said 
he wants to continue. Kandreva can continue. And he wants to bring Icardi off, which makes sense. You're 2-1 up. You're a man down. You want to take the striker off. But I, you see, I look at it differently. This wasn't one of those matches where Icardi was isolated for 90 minutes up front who, where he wasn't moving. He was fighting. He was running. He was gritting. He was leading the team as a captain the way that people have, who have criticized him have said that he never does. And then he takes him off. And the way he does that, to me, that is a kind of like breaking your captain publicly and, and kind of humiliating him in a little bit. Uh, even if that's not the intention, that kind of, that, that, that becomes a little, little bit... You're taking a huge risk because if you lose that game, then you've broken your captain. You've shown that you don't trust him, you don't trust the team, and then everything goes south from there. So you're taking a very unnecessarily huge risk. I mean, bring in Ranocchia and move up Skriniar to midfield. Then you've got, you know, then you've got three in midfield if you want to take Icardi off. But then bringing Santon on who we all know since the day he started playing for Inter, he's very he's not strong on in one-on-one situations against fast players such as Cuadrado. That was just an accident waiting to happen. And I don't understand that because usually Spalletti is very spot on with the way he changes games and the way he approaches games. And he's a very tactically intelligent and he reads games really well. I mean, obviously, everyone can make mistakes, and it's, tip- it's typical for Inter that Spalletti's biggest mistake came at the biggest time of the season. But that's 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 a little bit how I how I see it. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I have to say that uh, I did not dig into this uh, this substitution, uh, but uh, my impression on uh, on, on live. Um, was that uh, in some way Icardi asked to be to be replaced? Because okay. I've read yeah. that was my quest, second question. Because I've read um, that uh, that Spalletti wanted to bring Perisic off, and Perisic said that he wanted to continue because he had energy. Yeah, that that then, was weird. That was yeah. weird because because if you remember the Tagliavento called from uh, from the change Candreva number yeah. eighty seven, yeah. and after that they said uh, that. They said that the idea was to was to replace Perisic, and eventually uh, the replacement was from Ricardo. So probably some confusion there. Yeah. I think that uh, yeah, I think that. Uh, um, but my opinion is that uh, replacing Icardi was not a bad idea because uh, I think it, it was it was done at that point. Um, but uh, thing is that uh, you cannot uh, you cannot avoid uh, avoid um, a player that. Uh, Helped you to uh, to counter attack. So I would uh, in in the shoes of Spalletti. Okay, it's easy to say now, right? But in the shoes of Spalletti, I would have go um, for uh, for Eder or uh, probably better Caramo because the only thing that Caramo can do very well for the for the moment is run. He run right. very well and it's it's able to it's able to drive to dribble. Uh, to dribble and uh, Rugani and Barzagli, I think uh, that uh, were not in, in a in a perfect night. So would that would that make a lot of sense? Uh, so um, to yes, to close my point, um, just to say that for me, it's not Icardi the problem. It's Santon. Is uh, Santon? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But but uh, not, well, Santon is Santon, and we know about that, and we talk about a lot of time about uh, about uh, about him and uh, the fact that his level is probably not uh, uh, not enough for the Inter. It's okay, but question is, you touch the defense, and when you touch the defense and you are in ten men against eleven, it could be a mess, and a it, it was actually a mess. A complete mess. <laughs> That's it. I think I think you're right, and I think in some ways as well, it's more. It's almost like the right substitution in some respects, but in the wrong game. If you're playing, I don't know Udinese for instance, and you're up against it a little bit, I think the, there's a, a less emotion in that game. Um, you know, like you're saying, Icardi's normally playing a bit of a different role at that point. But I think in that game, the sort of it was sort of um, to take Icardi off at that moment. You know, we don't know the ins and outs, like we say. We don't know if he asked to go or or what the situation was. But it seemed like the wrong thing because it did take a huge part uh, of the game, the, the spirit of the game for Inter. And I think that maybe you just did misjudge the emotion of the situation a little bit, right, where that is. You know, sometimes you, you, Spalletti could make those changes probably nine times uh, in different games, in lesser games. But right at that moment, it, it just wasn't the right thing to do. And, you know, like you said, though, as well, see, Spalletti's not made, for me, not that many mistakes, not huge glaring errors like that. And it is a shame it came at that moment. But, you know, 
it's it, it's very difficult, isn't it? To to it's easy, should I say, to look with hindsight on it now. But I think just at that moment in time, just the the whole symbolic nature of Acardi going off was almost and it like you've mentioned Nima as well and. Uh, I think you both mentioned actually the fact that that was a game when he was really, really working. He wasn't like, you know, sometimes we do see him on the bit of the peripheries. He was really all over the place there, and I think it was symbolic. He was yeah. fighting. He was fighting like hell. And yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, what, I, what I mean is that look, uh, Santon. Uh, that's I mean, uh, that, what I basically what I don't understand is that if you want to, you know, first of all, you don't have any wing players. If you want to have bring in a wing player, then at least I mean, I don't know how. You know, anyone but Santon, because Santon one on one versus Cuadrado—that's just a—that's just a disaster waiting to happen. Yeah, and you know? and remember, Nima. Sorry if I ter- if I interrupting you. And remember that uh, I think two or three minutes before this uh, this substitution, Allegri made uh, uh, the inversion of the wings. So yeah. Douglas Costa was on the right, and Bernardeschi was on the left. Exactly. So you have in your left you have Douglas Costa and Cuadrado, so a very powerful side, right? And uh, Santon. Practically is not able to to contain this. Uh, uh, none of these two players. Uh, so uh, I let you imagine when uh, uh, when he, he go for both players on his side and Perisic was completely uh, arrived at the point uh, was uh, out of fuel. So that that was the problem, right? But I think that the problem is not is not Santon. The problem is that you don't have an, an alternative, a valid alternative on the on your bench. Uh, what about Dalbert? Why, right. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's 20 million, one of the yeah. best players in the League A, who was considered better in the team, in the League A team of the year, ahead of Mendy, who was fantastic last season. And he comes to Inter and he barely gets a sniff and is considered, I mean, th- that, what, what is going on there? You know? It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly my point. That's exactly my point. I think that Spalletti is working with. Uh, uh, I, I, you remember what what we say uh, after January Mercato? Spalletti needed to uh, burn the candle at both ends, and that's exactly what I'm uh, what I'm saying here. Is that uh, he tried to do something that made sense, but problem is that uh, his players is, is, is he had not any trust on on his players on the bench. Right, that's, and then that's it, exactly yeah. what I wanted to say. That it's a trust yeah. issue. Yeah, 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 and it's exactly like that. So the problem is not Santon, right? Okay, the problem is that is that Santon is playing on Inter, practically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the, you're absolutely right. It's it, that's the problem, and, and to me, the, that substitution more than anything. I'm so glad you brought it up. That substitution to me was a big, big was it was was him basically saying, I don't trust this team. Yeah, and that was a mistake. That was a that huge was a mistake. mistake. That was yeah. a huge mistake. But um, if we um, if we move on um, to like because because there's so many episodi as you Italians say that we need to yeah. talk about. Let's start with a with a Vecino one. I'm I'm keen to hear what everyone thinks. Um, uh, Richard, what do you make of Vecino? Red card or not? Uh, you can you can certainly see the argument for it. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those really Awkward ones in a sense that, you know, if it happens when he goes into that challenge, he is high and it could have done more damage than it did. Uh, again, it goes into that whole debate where by we look at it, if you go by the letters of law, should it probably have been a sending off? Yes, it should, I would have said. But then you're looking at the context of the game. But realistically, you know, I, I think the referee at that point, I don't know if he was obviously to, to relook and to, to relook at it, you know, he's, he's making sure. But you know, you're making a big statement by doing a card, playing a card in that game to put a red card out of that early on. But I think that's what, you know, when we have to relook at these episodes and we have, the referees are forced to do so or chose, choose to do so, then, you know, we're going to see more of this, I think, coming, coming up. So it's something we're probably going to have to get used to. Um, so, you know, it could have been bad. It could have been worse than it was. Uh, I didn't think it was a particularly good challenge. I didn't think it was necessary at that point in the game either. Um, so... Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue against that one. What do you What do you say, Fulvio? Uh, well, I have to say this. I have to say that uh, um, the red card uh, pro- is probably. Um, I, I I'm, I'm not saying that it's completely wrong, but uh, we mm, we need to make a point here about uh, how how Italian supporters uh, seeing this kind of things because, especially in a big match. 
um, we are very used to um, to matches that uh, with a, with a with a tolerant referee at least for the first half, right? So you're used to the first half that ends 11 versus 11, unless there is something that it's impossible to um, it's it's impossible to ignore. Okay, so my uh, my thought my thought here is uh, uh, okay. The Sino red card is okay, but you need to be consistent on the rest of the match. So you choose you chose to go. Uh, to, to play by the book, which yes. is the rules with with the with the Sino, you have to play by the book also for Juventus players. And I, I tell you this, Pjanic, Pjanic at, at some point Pjanic made the same fall of a Sino, the same yeah. fall of a Sino. And uh, on the first half, uh, the only difference is that uh, he targets a different point of the um, of the feet of Rafinha. I think it was Rafinha in that case as well. Yeah. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. Orsato didn't whistle the fall because he knew. That if you whistle the foul, you should have, have, have uh, um, sent sent out Pjanic because uh, need some consistency there. So uh, the the thing is, okay, I I we we the Italian supporters are okay with red cards in big matches uh, on the first 20 minutes, but you need to be you need to play ex equally for both things, and that didn't happen. And the second half, we 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 understand why. For me, for me, I think that's the problem. I don't have a. I tweeted it out during the game as well. I have absolutely zero problems with sending out with with the sending off of Vecino if if you apply the same weights and measures for the rest right. of the game. The consistency yep. is the issue, and that is something that has been you know that that was what was so harrowing about Saturday's game was that for me it was like going back to the 90s again where it felt like it doesn't matter what Juventus players do it doesn't matter what yeah. they do they will never get sent off and that and it, was that was the that was so inco uncomfortable to be back there yeah again. and and you can realize that Nima by the by the thing that Pjanic actually last 80 minutes in this match I, in 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 in, uh, in another kind of situation in all kind of situation of the world if um, if a player is able to avoid that the second yellow card after two minutes mm. is being re is being replaced, exactly. Do, do and all over the world it's like that. But but Pjanic, uh, but Pjanic continued the match and uh, I think was replaced at 80 minutes by yeah. by Betancourt. So he, he stay 30 minutes on the field after that foul because probably Allegri knew that uh, the impression was that Pjanic was. Um, that that Pjanic was not going to send to, to, to be sent out, yeah. and that's my impression too. Mine too. Uh, Richard, I'm just wondering. It's it's a bit of a, a difficult point to really to argue in a sense, mm. but in the in the context of uh, the history between these two clubs and the nature of the game, do referees have a bit more of a responsibility then in that case to to take that on board? And are you saying oh, it's the consistency that you come back to? It's okay to you know to, like you're saying. Whether you can manage the game as you want, if you want to take it um, a bit of a softer approach, because you know that the the atmosphere and everything else might be explosive, and you might set a precedent by sending someone off early, but you know you still set the precedent, or you take it, you know you want to you want to set that precedent. You believe that you can manage the game a lot better by thinking it's going to be a tempestuous situation and put down your marker, and it comes down to that consistency. And I do think that, I mean, even if it's not, I mean that the referees uh, in any of these games. They know that there's been history. They know that there's... Uh, I mean, consistency should be a given anyway. Um, but exactly. They, that's the, but that's it, the marker of a good referee is consistency. So exactly. That, so the players know what's going on. And here there was absolutely none of it. Nima, it's, it's, it's not. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's sensibility. That, that, is, <laughs> that is the mark of a great referee. Yeah. <laughs> all, all he showed was that he has a but, heart. He has a heart. Place, he, doesn't have a trash can. he doesn't have yeah. a trash can. He's got a heart. If, uh, if, I, think, if, I, think about, uh, if I think about a good referee, I think about Rocky in Juventus Napoli uh, of last week. Because practically you didn't, you, didn't, uh, you didn't realize that Rocky was on the field. Yeah, because, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you, re you realize after 10 minutes, 12 minutes, that Rosato was on the field, right? And they lost the match practically in, uh, in, the first, uh, in the first 15 minutes. So uh, we'd say protagonismo, yeah. right? So yeah. uh, the referee that uh, wants to, to be part of the match and wants to influence the match in some way, like a striker, uh, but it's, it's not the way that 
it's it's not the way in which the big matches work. And I say that because really along the, the years we we are we Italian supporters for the Serie A big matches are used to witness tolerant referees that uh, are not going to send to send out players uh, before the 60 minutes unless very um, unless situation impossible to be ignored. Uh, and uh, we expect this kind of things because everybody doing that since a lot of years. But uh, this time it didn't happen, and uh, I, I, and I have to say, I should, I should tolerate that if I say, if I saw some consistency. But exactly. uh, this, yeah, this, that, this, uh, this, yeah, and this did not happen. Yeah, that was my problem with it too. The fact that, uh, like you felt, we could have played that game forever, and no one from Uber would have been sent off. And that is just that. That feeling for me was like. That was the you know late 90s, early 2000s all over again. I mean, I remember I was living in Italy when when the Italia match where Montero punched Di Biagio in the face in front at a corner in front of the referee and nothing happened. And I mean punched. I don't mean oh I accidentally hit you with my elbow while we were going for it. I'm talking standing still, boom, <laughs> like in the face. I mean stuff like that. And and nothing happened. And 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 it's and it's like you know, none of us want to go back to have these discussions about Calciopoli. None of us want to go back. We love Il Calcio. We love our team, but we also love the, the game and, 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 and the league because it's part of what we do and what we love. But this destroys Italian football. I mean, the whole world saw what happened. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, I mean, one of the guys, one of the most viral things on Twitter was a video sent out by a Barcelona fan where he tweeted out the the inconsistency levels in the Serie A and called the Serie A the biggest joke league in the world, yeah. and, and and I mean you know th that guy I mean these there's he's not the only one there are so many you know fans of obje like objective fans that saw this and saw it for what it was and they thought it was a complete and utter joke, and and that hurts the Serie A and that's kind of yeah. what it is. And, and you know what I, you know Dima, what I tweeted uh, on the, um, uh, yes, on the, uh, um, what what I tweeted uh, after the first half. I tweeted, uh, uh, okay, there's uh, 190 countries uh, for this uh, uh, bro broadcasting this match, and I hope that at least 130 of this at which off uh, at which the the television of Villarreal Celta Vigo. I think that uh, <laughs> I think I think it's better for them. Yeah, <laughs> it's better for the Serie A if they had watched Celta Vigo. That's true. Uh, no, but I mean, if we, I'm keen to hear your thoughts on this, James. I mean, uh, the Vecino thing. First of all, do you think it was a red card? And if it was, like, do you, is the bigger problem here the consistency, or how, how do you see it? I think as soon as Osato saw that uh, Manzikic was bleeding, um, he began to think uh, twice uh, about his, his original decision and, and obviously then went to Valeri to see um, if he got it wrong. Um, and, you know, I, I, I can completely understand um, where you're coming from in terms of this consistency argument because with, with, with Pjanic, Pjanic after the game said that uh, yeah, he didn't think um, he deserved to be sent off because uh, he should never have been booked in the first place um, for for dissent. Um, and that Osato was, was maybe thinking about that uh, before handing him what was yeah, the clearest of yellow cards uh, for, for, for that challenge on, on Rafinha. Um, and, you know, really whatever happened uh, before should not have, have played on Osato's mind if that really were the case. Um, yeah, I, I, I look at what happened um, in the Debbie Italia and I kind of kind of put it into context of, of what we've seen um, this season, really, um, and the state of Juventus and the state of Inter. And, you know, I think Juventus um, are the best run club in the league. Um, they have a very strong, very recognisable directorship. Um, and um, they, um, I think, do everything to, um, to make themselves um, felt um, in, in, in some respects. Um, yeah, they speak up um, when, uh, for example, they see uh, refereeing mistakes um, uh, or they disagree 
with how a referee is uh, managing a game. Um, yeah, I thought it was very interesting after the, um, the, the, the Champions League round of 16, where Mauricio Pochettino afterwards came out and said, um, yeah, he, he saw Agnelli, he saw Marotta um, talking to the referee, um, you know, at, at uh, I think at half time, full time. And he, he was like, you know, I learned a lesson today, you know, that, you know, that is, that is experience in that, you know, there, there is a togetherness about Juve where, you know, they, yeah, you know, as we saw after the Real Madrid game, you know, where Agnelli comes out and really um, puts the focus on, um, on video assistant referees, on Colina, on um, not so much on, on, on Michael Oliver as, as, uh, as generally Luigi Buffon would do that entirely himself um, uh, later in that evening. But there is a kind of strength about Juve in that respect. And, you know, I'm not alleging there is any, any wrongdoing as there were in the past, but there's, there's certainly, I think, um, an awareness that this is part of the game. That um, you know, you you bring um, you know you bring a certain kind of uh, you know, that the, the, it's not just the team that goes out on the field. Um, you know, there there is the, there there are the guys who you know in terms of who you know, recruit for the team, um, speak for the team, um, and I, I think again with Inter um, over the last few years, you know, we've had this situation where you have you know um, I'll see. Leo is the sporting director. Then you have Sabatini um, be the um, the sporting director for the the, the network at Suning. Um, then uh, Sabatini resigns. Then you have Antonello come out today and talk about it. And you, you kind of you don't really know who it is who's calling the shots at Inter. And you know I think to to some extent, um, yeah, Juventus are as good a team um, at board level as they are in the pitch. And I, I look at Inter in that, in that respect, and I think, you know, there needs to be a little bit more coherence there. The team needs, the, the club needs to project greater strength in that regard. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think, you know, uh, I don't think that necessarily had a bearing on what happened um, in the Debbie d'Italia. But, um, you know, when it comes back to assessing why Juventus have become as strong as they are again, it's because from top to bottom, um, yeah, from yeah, the the manager on the bench, from the players out on the pitch, from the directors in the boardroom, there is this totality, if you like, of competence and strength, which I, I think, um, yeah, is 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 again why, um, yeah, they're so hard to shift um, from 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 the the top of the top of the tree in Italy. That's that's very much uh, that's that's what they call like we we don't have societa we're, like our societa mm-hmm. isn't strong enough. Um, that's 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 a, that's a very valid point and that that comes down to the you know change of ownership, change of directors. You know people are you know finding their places and whatnot. Um, but um, if we uh, if we look a little bit at um, I mean what Inter did today, especially when the Antonello went out today and the things he said. Uh, for me, were were incredibly, very very strong. I mean, this this is the '90s all over again. I mean, when he goes out <laughs> and says that some you know some some unacceptable things happened and we're furious. The club deserves respect and so do our fans. We decided to wait until today to comment because we didn't want to speak in the heat of the moment and risk being influenced by all the emotions flying about. We've watched all the incidents back and we cannot explain why two sets of weights and measures were used in the same game. Lots of things are changing in football, but it seems like some things always stay the same. Having said that, we're proud of the history we have at this club. I mean, that's a declaration of war right there um, against against the Serie A, against the Lega Calcio, against the you know Italian refereeing, and and then you have the videos coming out of Allegri. I don't, I don't know what the hell he was trying to prove, you know, French kissing Tagliavento in front of premium, premium sports cameras like that. That's just stupid. I mean that's just begging for trouble, which which also prompted, um, I think someone at the FAG, some director at the FIG, asked for those videos to analyze them to see whether further action should be taken. I mean this is this is all you know. Again, I'm not saying that what happened into you know back in the day is happening now. Again, I'm not saying that we're back in the dark days, but this happened only 10, 12 years ago, not 20, 30, 50, 60 years ago. This is still very much fresh in everyone's mind. And to have 
them act in this way, like to have Juventus and especially Allegri act in this way, um, it, it's just it's just it, it just brings a lot of um, it's a bad taste in, in in one's mouth, and and it rings a bell of days gone by that I don't think anyone wants to get back to. Does it? Do you, is there an argument though that as a club it might not be a popular opinion this, but that Inter themselves aren't doing them any favors, and we're not doing ourselves any favors by the reactions that that we're having this is simply prolonging this thing that's been going on for, for years and years and years. And m- maybe, as James was saying before, if we were supposed to be acting like a, a club that perhaps, you know, looks like a corner, you know, that looks like it's making progress, that maybe, to even though it was a very controversial game, um, maybe keeping one's own counsel might do us a little bit better because otherwise we just get embroiled into this and it becomes a bigger issue for next year and so on and so on. So it, I don't know what your thoughts are. Mm, that's a very interesting. That's very interesting. What do you What do you think, Fulvio? Well, uh, Nima, I have to say that uh, living this um, living this Serie A since uh, twenty five years, probably we can say thirty, um, day by day in this environment uh, with this press and uh, with all things that we're going through, I can say that my my opinion is that uh, Juventus uh, is living into a parallel world in comparison to the other team. Right, because you said uh, uh, Allegri with Tagliavento was stupid because you're begging for problems. But I think that uh, it's perfectly normal for them because because of this parallel world. Just think about what Pjanic said to the world after the match. Ah, it's he said, "Okay, I, yeah, I, I admit it, And uh, in case some in case someone lost this, I I just report this. This uh, the, he said, uh, I I admit that uh, I made a bad call on Rafinha and I probably deserve a yellow card." But Orsato was very good because that my first yellow card was, was too exceeding, right? So to compensate in this way, and this is the general assumption that we have in Italy, that two, two mistakes colliding with each other um, end, end up into, uh, into a right thing. And that, that is completely false. Because two mistakes remain two mistakes, especially mm. if if you're rating um, a re- the the performance the performance of the referee, right? And everybody no and, and if if you think about it, no one from the media from the press um, made 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 some question on that. Like it's uh, it's too it's normal, and that that what I that that is uh, how um, why I think that uh, Juventus is the parallel world for that. Because uh, concepts like that, I, I think, are not acceptable. Uh, and I, 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 I just uh, uh, propose you another concept uh, about that. You remember after Real Madrid Juventus of yeah. the Champions League, what Agnelli said? Um, Agnelli said we need to remove Colina from uh, from his role, right? <laughs> and uh, after and after two days, after two days, the UEFA, UEFA said, okay, Agnelli, thank you, but not thanks. We are not interested in that. <laughs> but. I, I, I can assure you that if this kind of things happened in Italy, right, in the Serie A league in Italy to the Juventus, uh, the next day there was, um, it, it would have been Nicky from the, 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 um, the chairman of the, of the referee association that said, okay, it's a good proposal, we are going to do something. <laughs> I can assure you, I yeah. can assure you, and that's the difference, it's a parallel word. And that's why Juventus in Europe is not understanding things like Real Madrid Juventus. Yeah. Which is insane because I think that was one of the clearest. I mean, Benatia's challenge there was like their, their outrage is just ridiculous because I mean, don't it was clear, it was a clear cut penalty from 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 my point of view. I don't and their reaction of insensibile and trash cans instead of hearts and whatever whatever other drivel that. Yeah, yeah and just fun, just so. think, just think if, if you live in your own uh, if your own environment, if, if your own neighborhood, and uh, you are used to do everything that you want, exactly. And uh, suddenly, suddenly you went out from your neighborhood, you go into the big city, and uh, you discover suddenly uh, and dramatically that you cannot apply the same rules. What is your first reaction? Because you are used to that. Your first reaction is outraging, and that's exactly what Juventus did in Europe. Yeah, that was that's a very good point. That's a very good point. Um, it was um, also, I mean, basically after after Lazio, if we look at it a little bit, also looking forward, Lazio, you know, they uh, they won against Torino later that night. Uh, sure, Immobile injured himself and he's probably missing missed missed the rest of the rest of the season, which at least Icardi can maybe become capocannoniere this way, over 30 goals. Um, but having said that. 
do you guys think that there is a, any chance that Inter can go to the Champions League? Because I think it's, for me, it's 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 over. What do you think, James? I think uh, that's what makes um, last night's, oh, sorry, Saturday night's game so damaging, um, and, and and explains um, some of the outrage because. Um, it was huge for Inter um, to, to to lose ground um, over this weekend um, with 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 both Roma and Lazio winning. Um, you know, I think they deserve more um, for how well they performed. Um, you know, with 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 uh, ten men, and I look at the I look at the fixture list now, and you know, it is, it is going to be very complicated. Um, yeah, even though you have to look at, you know, you have to look at Lazio and Lazio, what they play Atalanta um, yeah, next week, who uh, at the Olimpico without Immobile um, and Atalanta are you know, going great guns at the moment. Um, you know, they, um, <laughs> they're, they're chasing Europa League. They can't afford to, um, to slow down. Um, and you know, with Roma, Roma aside from that game against Juventus um, at the Olimpico on the penultimate day of the season, you know, they have the easiest run-in of the lot. So I think uh, Inter, in some respects, have got to hope um, that Lazio drop points against Atalanta next um, next week while taking care of business. So that game that we see on the final day of the season um, between them both is genuinely a Champions League playoff. Mm. That's 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 the way I look at it too. But I I see I don't think that will happen. What do you think, Richard? Do you think that do you think that do you think uh, there is like what are your what is your assessment on this? I I do want to be positive. I really really do um, about this. But you know, look, I I think that with that knowing Inter as we all do, I'm just worried about the knock-on effects of that result and how it will affect them mentally going into those last games of this season. Um, you know, we've seen it many a time before where a, a result in a, a certain manner can uh, really knock them off their stride. And, you know, it's been, it's been entertaining to watch both Roma and Lazio and um, this season. And they've been just because they've been so good at times. Um, listen, I'm going out to that last game against Lazio on the final day of the season and I'm not expecting that to be a playoff. I think I'm going to just enjoy the tennis the day before, to be honest, because I don't see us doing, doing much at all there. Um, Look, you know, but, I mean, Rich. I mean, look. I mean, Lazio have yeah, their running is not um, straightforward. I mean, Atalanta is going to be a tough game. They've then got Crotone. Crotone in great form at the moment. You know, won three of their last five games. Held Juve to that one-one draw. Um, yeah, I think yeah. The expectation is. Uh, I think a lot will depend on that six-pointer that they have against was it Kiev or next week. Um, but um, they might still be fighting. So I think Lazio's, uh, Lazio's running is complicated. It's not completely inconceivable that they, they drop enough points to make that, um, that game on the final day um, a, really, uh, a really massive game, a playoff. Um, I, and, I hope uh, right, and with the Mobile being out as well, you know, like you say, it, it, it could be. Uh, I'm hopeful of that. Um, do you know what I mean, though, James? Sometimes with Inter, when we can just uh, at times we can just switch. When a, when a game a defeat like this happens, it can it can knock them for more than more than one game. So I, I'm probably being a little bit negative in fairness, but uh, smidgen of hope. <laughs> no, I mean last year, once once it became clear that Inter were not going to challenge for the Champions League and couldn't and couldn't conceivably qualify for it again. They just faded completely. Uh, they gave up. Yeah. They gave up. Completely gave up. And I think this is the most important thing to see how they react in this way. Uh, I think the game against Udinese will be very, very, will be very, very telling. Ego Tudor. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Oh my God. Why don't you? I mean, why don't we just bring in Mark Giuliano as well while we're at it? I mean, yeah. Let's you know just kind of make it a complete mind fuck for all Inter fans um, and for Inter as a club completely. No, but I mean, we'll. we'll, we'll I mean, they, Udinese are. They're in a bad place. I mean, what is it? Eleven straight losses, haven't won in thirteen games, etc. And they were the first team to beat into this season. 
that, that, you know, when, you, when we talk about the Champions League, and I think that's really that's a very important point that you're alluding to there. Inter didn't lose the Champions League against Juventus. They lost it against Sassuolo, Crotone, Torino, Udinese, etc., etc. Twelve defeats is about, you know, four too many if you really want to be a top three, top four side, in my opinion. So I think we need to, like, we should separate the game and the season as a whole. Inter didn't play football for three months. And and that's where that's where the season was lost, so to speak, losing away against Genoa, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I think you know the, the responsibility needs to be taken, um, and uh, as as a whole, and also for this game. Um, so yeah, no, I think Udinese will so, be so telling. Nima, would you would you if Suning were to wield the axe again and say goodbye to to Luciano Spalletti, who's lost obviously Walter Sabatini. Would you be okay with that? Or? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think, I think that would be suicide at this point because if you look at, I mean, if you look at uh, the entire season as a whole and look at what he came, what he found when he came, and the way that the players have developed, the way that he's got Brozovic looking like a world beater all of a sudden from nowhere, the way that he's got this squad fighting together as a unit and that they're a tight knit team. This, you know, throughout, despite ups and downs through the season, um, the way that this team reacts to what this man says says to me that they are very much still behind him, um, and they're the play. He's got the support of the players, so I, I think that would be idiotic to 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 get rid of him, like for for the for the lack of better for better, lack of better words, it would be suicide. It would be incredibly stupid um, mm. if, if they if they got rid of him um, at this point. Also, because who are you going to bring in? There's no other alternative. And again, it's another season where another coach has to start from scratch, etc., etc. And Auxilio said it himself before the game, before he started, uh, before the game started, that we're looking for consistency. And I think, you know, had Inter lost that game against Juventus without showing this this incredible fight, fighting spirit. Getting rid of Spalletti would have been easy, but the way that the team reacted, the way that everyone was spitting blood, that's a lot of it is thanks to, thanks to Spalletti as well. And we shouldn't forget that when we criticize him for his tactical decisions or the fact that he doesn't trust the team mentally, etc., etc. He's also the guy who's behind this team being alive for the, so deep into the season, so late into the season for the first time in almost a decade. Yeah, just think what will happen when he gets some uh, qualita. Yeah? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, when he doesn't have to turn to Santon. Um, <laughs> but Santon should never be your backup guy. Like, that, that just doesn't, you know, that, that, that just bode, doesn't bode well. Um, right, uh, I would like to thank you so much for coming on, James, for staying on, staying on for like almost an hour. <laughs> Pleasure. I, it, it was always, it's always great to have you. Um, and... Uh, if people want to follow you, it's at James Horncastle. And also Golazzo, Golazzo, the podcast with you and is it Gabriel Marcotti and uh, James Richardson? Yeah, that's the one. Nice one. So I can definitely recommend that. And thank you for coming on. We'll talk to you soon. Pleasure, guys. Always a pleasure. Cheers, James. Ciao, ciao. Hi, James. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. Let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute as well as rip the piss out of something or someone in the world of football, starting with the uh, with the something a little bit more comedic, this week's Frog, which will be presented by Mr. Richard Hall. Okay, uh, this week's Frog of the Week. Um, it's... <laughs> It's got a bit more of a serious meaning to it because it's just something that really annoyed me because in this in, in today's age of social media and everything else that goes with it, we have this, you know, there's a lot of good that comes with it, but sometimes there's the, the awful as well. And when we're talking about performances on the, on the field and everything else, you've got to put things into context. And listen, we've sat here on this podcast and said that Santon wasn't good enough. Uh, and so my immediate thoughts was with that mistake was to actually say, maybe, you know what, the frog of the week, Santon, it makes sense. But then, you know what? No, it doesn't, because this is the reason why. Because what I just thought was really sad about that, again, is that people taking things to extreme social media. I think it was on the Instagram of his wife, Chloe Sanderson. Um, and people, into apparently fans, going hell for leather at him with some awful abuse on that. And so for me, yeah, you know what, Santon Costas, he made a mistake on the pitch, but just as much for anyone doing 
you know, the, the abuse to him on social media, you know, that for me are the frogs of the week. Yeah, I mean, to me that that was that I was I was thinking of picking that for the moji of the week because I I I, I, I can tell you, you know for me I, I have to read what they said what people told wrote on Santon's because uh, it's just so insane. One guy wrote, "Your mother dead, your wife dead, fuck your family." Next guy just... wrote, "Next guy wrote, fuck you and your wife Santon, we should kill you, you son of a bitch." The third one said, "I wish you would die a very painful." painfully and suffer from cancer until the age of 100 without cure i mean it's just i mean maybe it should, the fuck maybe both it should be for both of them the, the moji and the frog because it's disgusting it's just hey, disgusting it's just it's just insane that that to me you can be disappointed but threatening you know and what really really got me was the fact when chloe posted this when chloe sanderson posts this um which i can understand uh, when she, when after all of this has been posted, uh, when after she's she's you know shown all of these things that 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 is being hurled at her, and she she's she says that she's afraid for her for her and her baby being at home. They've locked. They've been told to lock the doors, and that her husband or that her her partner is 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 you know she's driving back you know driving back home. She's worried for his safety. Her dad has cancer. You know, I mean, what the hell? What kind of a sick fuck would, like, what's the matter with you people? Like, control yourselves. I mean, you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't go up to someone on the street and say that because then you'd be, you know, you'd be arrested. That's illegal to threaten to kill and rape someone. But it's, okay to, but it's okay to do it on social media? Like, are you insane? And the thing is as well, I think that sometimes context is because, right, look, the player might not have been ready. He might not have been informed. He might have been nervous. He might have been all those things. But not one part of him or one of our players on that pitch would do anything to immediately harm the result or the team. So the context is there because, A, it doesn't matter what you even think about, what they think about Inter. It's the fact that they were thinking about their own professional careers. No one would have wanted any, you know, mistakes happen. And that, that's the situation in the game. And, yes, sometimes they can cost. But... In context, I mean, Jesus, it, it's it's too, it's it's too far. It's too it's far. Way too far. Way too far. Right. Um, let's uh, move on to uh, the uh, something, or I would say, I usually say something more negative, but just something negative. Uh, the negative part of this week, uh, this week's moji, which I'll be presenting myself. I think we've already touched on it. It's, uh, it, I think Fulvio said it best with the fact that they live in a, that Juventus live in a parallel galaxy. They're used to doing what they want uh, in, in the Serie A. And it was painfully obvious again on, on Saturday night. So for me, everyone from, from Orsato to, to Pjanic, uh, his, his, uh, his reaction, which spoke volumes, uh, Allegri, all of that is just, that's the moji of the week for historic reasons as well as current reasons. Right, let's move on to something a little bit more positive. Uh, this week's Moratti, which will be presented by Mr. Fulvio Santucci. Oh my God, he is beautiful! He is beautiful, yeah! So, speaking about Moratti, I think it is uh, mandatory for me to talk about uh, the spirit and the attitude of Inter against Juventus. I think it's the first time, uh, at least personally, I think it's the first time that this uh, roster played a match exactly in the Inter way. And uh, I mean the traditional identity of Inter. I mean the events that uh, went against Inter. And uh, although the impression is to play against a too powerful monster, uh, Inter put the effort, the commitment, the passion, the heart, the pride. And that actually took me back to 20 years ago when uh, Inter used to play like that a lot of matches. And uh, despite of a performing for the majority of the matches, ended up with a defeat. Um, a cruel ending, just like the matches uh, or the leagues from 20 years ago. For instance, Cinque Maggio, the, um, the title Famous. race of... The the title that for, for, um, for, for who is, uh, has lived on the moon in the last 20 years is the title race, the end of the title race 2002. Or the Champions League derby from 2003, semi-final. Uh, cruel endings and uh, these kind of things could lead to two different paths. Uh, paths. Uh, you blow up because of delusion or you realize you have grown up 
and you start playing at another level because you realize you can build on a solid base. That is what I thought after those cruel match of the past, this, this last thing that you, you have grown up. And uh, eventually I was right, because going through the worst endings, we managed to experience the best endings a few years later. I want to think the same thing now. Probably it's too late to hit the target this year. I, I know that. I really like that. But uh, at least you know that you finally don't have to go back to the square one next year. Exactly. Unless property, yeah, unless property uh, won't decide to dismantle this team. And I hope not. I, I, hope, I hope not. But still, there's, there's a chance because I don't trust the property, if, if you ask me. Um, so then I would like to say grazie Inter, thank you Inter for the motion you gave us into this match and I probably nominate the players, mostly all of them with some exception that I think everybody is able to spot and <laughs> I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Andanovic as well uh, I probably nominate the players for this week for the, as our Moratti of the week I, I agree with that, I thought it was a heroic I agree with everything you said, there was such a heroic performance it was an inter performance that we that we have been following the team for quite some time. Recognized, you're absolutely right. So yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you both for this week. I'd like to thank Richard for coming on. Cheers, guys. Always a pleasure. And I'd like to thank you, Fulvio. Uh, it was great to have you on. Cheers, Neymar. Cheers, um, cheers, Richard. Uh, it was uh, great to be here, even though we're talking about something not too good. But uh, still, I, I, I was glad to, to talk about this because it's always a pleasure for me. So thank, so thank you very much, all of you. And uh, until next week, my name is Nima Tavalli Ruzzari, wishing you all a good week and sempre e solo Forza Inter. <laughs> Oh